Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro bringing you a brand new episode of Monday Madness. Now, personally, I am a big proponent for continuing to lead a lifestyle that allows you to always learn. If I'm lucky, I get to learn something new every day. On Friday, I was lucky enough to learn what it is like to miss a flight. Normally, I've never had any problems at DIA, but once we walked in at 4 a.m. on a Friday and saw the security line wrapped all the way back around a baggage claim, I knew we were screwed. We missed the flight by about 10 minutes, but figured, hey, we've already got our bags packed. Let's just go hit some hot springs for the weekend. It felt good to be flexible enough to shift to other plans and not get too hung up on the sunk cost fallacy because I feel like three years ago, I would have just let it ruin my weekend. Instead, we spent time in the sun and shooting some pool. But you didn't come here to listen to me brag about my laughable abilities in trip planning. You came here for the biggest statistics and news stories in oil and gas worldwide. Let's get into it. Folks, I am excited to talk about commodities today. We just hit a three-month high in pricing. Does that mean we are destined for the three-digit barrel in a week? Absolutely not, but it is still great news. Last week, we opened up at $74 on a Monday. Nothing too incredible, and I was certain we would start seeing a fast decline, but it actually held steady through the day and started to hover around $75 to $76 through the rest of the week. We started trading in the mid-76s this morning, but rocketed off a couple of hours later, briefly topping $79. At present, we've cooled off a bit, and the price is in the high 78s, and I'm going to be on the edge of my seat through the rest of the week. We've got plenty of diminishing supply, even before we consider those international production cuts from Saudi Arabia, Russia, and the like, so it is possible that this is the beginning of a long-term increase in price. I'd say we are long overdue, but I also don't want to jinx us, so I'm not going to spend too much longer speculating. Brent followed the trend as well, and the spread ended up decreasing slightly to about $4 as the price sits at almost $83 a barrel of Brent. Decent amount of volatility this morning, so we might want to wait for that to settle out because I would not be surprised if we saw that spread go right back to $5. I think the momentum of the swing and crude prices somehow dragged natural gas up too, but it's already losing steam. It jumped about 15 cents, but has only decreased since then, since uh, it peaked last week. I do not have high hopes here, and I think it probably only benefited from association. Ultimately, commodity prices are trending upwards, and you need to keep your eyes peeled throughout the week, because this could be the time that the tables have turned. So, prices had a resurgence. How about that rig count? Well, unfortunately, another six rig decrease in the latest rig report, dropping us to a total of 669 rigs, which is 89 fewer rigs than we had in the U.S. this time last year. Basin by basin, the Permian continues to take a beating as it drops four. The Eagleford isn't faring much better as it loses two rigs. Then the Granite Wash and Haynesville also lost one each. State by state, there is just a bit of good news. Two more rigs in Utah, and one more in Oklahoma. Louisiana otherwise is down two, and Texas is down a whopping seven. No changes in the Gulf. As you can imagine, this is taking a toll on the population of rigs drilling for liquids in horizontal wells. They are dropping like flies. I don't have too much to say here, as this is a trend we've witnessed for, I think, almost 13 weeks now. If we do see prices continue to climb, you can be damn sure that the rig count will head back up, but I think it's going to take a lot more time than it did before, because I imagine companies are pretty skittish at this point. They will want 
trending increases in prices for several weeks or dramatic increase quickly to get operations going. On the other side, we are almost out of ducks and production hasn't really grown much. So perhaps there isn't much of a choice than to get more rigs out there if we see an $85, $90 barrel. Speaking of which, that serves as a good segue to our last statistic, the inventory report. The most recent inventory report from the EIA said that we could look forward to a 1.5 million barrel drawdown, but unfortunately we only saw a 1 million barrel drawdown. Still, I shouldn't complain as a drawdown is typically good news for us folks in the business. The API was feeling a bit more optimistic and called for a two and a quarter million barrel drawdown, but reported an even smaller one at about 800,000 barrels. Still, this is the third drawdown in a row by the EIA's numbers after a straight month of builds, so I'll take whatever I can get at this point. The downward trend of crude oil supply seems to be leveling out to nearly flat, which is evident from these builds. Gasoline continues to trend downward as it decreases by about 1 million barrels and is now even further outside of the historical 5-year range. You might think that this means gas prices are about to spike, and you may not be right. Despite this record low for a 5-year range, a regular gallon of gasoline is only 2 cents more expensive than it was a month ago when we were just breaking out of that historical range. Washington State is still home to some of the most expensive gasoline at $4.00. 9.26 per gallon, with the cheapest being in Mississippi for nearly $3 flat. Distillates are beginning to build again, but still remain fairly close to the bottom of its five-year range. This has helped to drop diesel prices by about two cents per gallon, and our good buddy propane continues to fight the good fight and stay on top of its historical range, but holds a slope that we are pretty familiar with. So business as usual here, though I am excited to hopefully see more drawdowns in the near future. But that wraps up all of our statistics. Next, we got to get into some news. And today I've got a story about the Canadian government and how they're setting up the framework for revoking subsidies for oil and gas. A lot of pressure has been coming from environmentalists, though no one is exactly sure what subsidies exactly or how much will be cut. But anything relating to CCUS or emissions reduction in general should be safe because, according to Environment Minister Stephen Goubault, this ensures that the only federal support for oil and gas goes to projects that decarbonize the sector and result in a significant greenhouse gas reduction. End quote. This should all be accomplished by 2024. Already, the mega-environmentalist at the International Institute for Sustainable Development has congratulated the Canadian feds, but added one other little comment warning that the framework's, quote, definition of inefficiency still allows for continued support for abated fossil fuel production for projects that include emissions reductions, measures such as carbon capture and storage in the oil and gas sector, and fossil fuel-derived hydrogen, end quote. This just goes to show that you can never fully please everyone. Here's a little thing about subsidies that I would like to mention. They aren't created equally. The subsidies being referenced in this article are usually in the form of the government taking away less, perhaps something like a tax break. It's usually the way it goes for oil and gas, hydrocarbons, conventional energy. The subsidies afforded to the projects touted as renewable energy are not taking less away but giving more towards something like a payment to consumers to induce an artificial demand spike or bonus funds and grants help these companies operate or even generate more research and development. 
I wanted to point that out because people hear subsidize and immediately picture the president himself passing money under the table to whoever controls big oil. No, it's not like that at all. It's more like taking some pressure off rather than giving a boost. So governments are always able to do this, but know that when this happens too much, costs do tend to get passed on. There's nothing wrong with reevaluating subsidy allocations, and in fact, I think we should do it pretty often to make sure we're not wasting money on dumb projects, but if you reintroduce too much OPEX cost, or even capital cost, it ends up raising the cost of goods or services provided. Now, it may not make a super dramatic change on the cost of energy for people in Canada, but eh, many people celebrate policies like these because they believe it further pushes renewables closer to the realm of affordable. Unfortunately, oil serves more purposes than just energy, so it's kind of hard to directly compare the two, but people have been claiming that renewable energy was just as expensive, if not cheaper, for years due to the changing in subsidies and just technological advancements and efficiencies. But if that was true, it would be generating a far greater portion of our electrical consumption. So stay skeptical, my friends. Folks, that is about all the time we have for this podcast. I'd like to get into a little subsidy talk because I know it pops up a lot and just wanted to highlight, well, first of all, what's going on in the world and what that actually means when you compare hydrocarbons to, well, I don't like calling them renewable energies. It's like the antithesis of calling hydrocarbons fossil fuels, but for the sake of the argument, hydrocarbons and renewable energy. If you liked the episode and you feel like it ended too soon, go ahead and follow this podcast. Hell, you can even follow us on YouTube if you want to catch the next episode of the Wacky World of Energy. It is our video series where Anthony and I take some of the wilder stories across the world and talk as freely as we want about it. Lots of great discussion, some sensor beeps, and a whole lot of fun. You can find it by searching Rare Petro on YouTube or by going to our website at www.rarepetro.com. Other than that, keep an eye out on LinkedIn and we will be sure to keep bringing you some of the best energy content on the internet. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.